All right, here we go, college baseball fans. Take two. Uh, internet has been an issue for both me and Dimitri here, but we're good to go. We got a lot of action to recap from the college super regionals. And, dude, it was fun. Um, there was a lot of bitching and moaning from fans about umpires. Uh, we had the best pitcher in college baseball in, like, the last 10 years or so, at least, Kevin Copps, just show a lot of guts. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about Texas's cakewalk regional and super regional. Uh, and we're going to talk about, like, just teams just getting the absolute shit beat out of them, a.k.a. Texas Tech, LSU, and, I mean, there's plenty more we're going to talk about as well. And we have some big news to reveal. Yeah, we do. Something and I'll let you reveal the Wednesday. big news. Yeah, you go ahead and reveal the big news that we're going to come out with. Do we reveal that now? Do we make them listen for a little bit to wait for it later? Like, how do we do this? No, I think majority of the fans are listening to get a little super regional recap. So let's just go ahead and say it on Wednesday or tomorrow, possibly Thursday morning, somewhere in there. We're going to be releasing our mid-major player of the year. And we're going to be releasing our Golden Fungo Award to the number one volunteer assistant in college baseball. The greatest award in college baseball history. The greatest award. The most deserving award in college baseball history. So um, definitely let it, like shoot us your, your thoughts on who should win each award. Uh, we're not 100% sure how the voting process is going to be. Obviously, we're going to talk with Kyle Lewis, who you know the award's named after for mid-major player of the year. Um, and then we're going to talk to Casey Dykes, who's named for the award, the Golden Fungo Award. The Casey Dykes Golden Fungo Award is what I'm trying to say. My brain's not working. It's early morning here on a it's Tuesday. It's never working. It's always mushy and potatoes or whatever else. I mean, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to have a sharp brain. I'm going to blow everybody's mind. Can you it, see it? Can you see it? I can see it, man. I can feel it in my <laughs> gut. <laughs> Coming back to last episode. But, dude, let's talk a little bit about these Super Regionals. We actually didn't do too bad predicting it last episode. Um I'll go through our picks just real fast. I had Vandy in two. You had ECU in three. I was right there. Vanderbilt. I pro- no, no, no. I protest it doesn't count. Vanderbilt <laughs> had a Little League strike zone, dude. That was unbelievable. That was literally <laughs> I promise you, we were going to dive deep into that strike zone and just some of the umpire mistakes there. I feel so bad for ECU. They got kind of screwed out of it. Um, and then we both picked Texas Tech in two games. We got the games right, but we did not get the right team. Stanford just slapped them around all weekend from start to finish. And moving on, uh, you had Arkansas in three. I had NC State in three. Told you, just keep picking against Arkansas. I picked against Arkansas every week I mean, okay, for 11 straight get, weeks. And I, I, get, fi- I finally got it I right. Get, can I get some credit? I said in three, which I meant, which meant I knew NC State was going to be a tough battle. I knew they were going to win one. And I knew it was going to come down to the wire at the end. And so I should get like 50% credit there. Like, like kind of like a reimbursement because I'm not dropping $900 to win $100 on those odds. Like that's yeah. not happening. Right. No, and, and Arkansas was minus 900 to win that series. And NC State was like plus 600 or plus 550, something like that. And then um, we both got Mississippi State, right? Mississippi State in three said that they were going to win game one, lose game two and win game three. Dude, and we not even that we were so on it about yeah. how that series was going to go. We knew Mississippi State was going game one, Notre Dame was going to score a shitload game two, and then we knew game three was just going to be a shootout. Yeah, and we knew that Landon Sims was going to have to go more than one game in the weekend, and he yeah. did. He went four innings yesterday, complete the uh, complete the save, or I guess and it's honestly, not technically a save, but whatever. Honestly, I wonder. I, I bet Notre Dame made it a lot closer if, if, if they had somebody else besides Landon Sim. A hundred percent, yeah. And, and dude, we got to talk about Nico Cavadas's 500-foot home run he hit. We'll, we'll do that here in a little bit, but dear God, that ball was crushed. And uh, that was probably the furthest home run of the year. I, I would love to see a home run that went further than that in college baseball. Dude, he, yeah. When somebody said they got all of it, that, that guy got all of it. 95 up in the zone, and he just pieced it out of the stadium. Um, you got Virginia, right? You said Virginia in three. I said Dallas Baptist in three, man. It was looking so good for Dallas Baptist for six innings yesterday. And then it just kind of slowly fell apart for him. We could kind of see it coming. Virginia started getting some breaks after, you know, struggling, hitting with runners in scoring position. And then it was like runner on second, two outs, walk, walk or infield single walk, something like that. And then grand slam. And right whenever they hit that grand slam, I was like, Dallas Baptist is dead. They're dead. Like, they cannot come back from that. They've been cardiac killers all postseason long, coming back from, like, three-run deficits. But but, 
I thought Dallas Baptist was gonna fight at the end a little more than they actually did because they were they were the they were like the magic killers too because I mean shit, Oregon State had them beat. Yeah, twice. and TCU had them beat too. So and like I just feel like Dallas Baptist had so many like warning track fly balls. They ran that, out of they ran out of they ran out of the magic powder. Yeah, but great season for Dallas Baptist. We'll dive into that here in a second as well. Um, we both got Texas in two games. I mean, what a cupcake schedule they've had in the postseason like if you're the university of texas like you just have to be like thank god that we're getting back to omaha that easy and they almost blew it on friday night or i guess it was saturday night and we'll we'll talk about that that almost choke job but they took care of business in two games against south florida which we all kind of expected um you said tennessee in three games i said lsu in three games both got that wrong tennessee won in two games and they came back on saturday or I keep getting my days mixed up, man. It's been a long four days. Game one, well, well, they came well, back. I think how they alternate the start dates of Thursday or Friday, Saturday. Yeah, it just it throws me off. Um, but the hell out of them. Yeah, but I mean, on the first game, game one, LSU was actually up two to one, like late in the game, like sixth or seventh inning. Uh, I I had Ole Miss in three games that looked terrible. Our Arizona took care of business. I mean, they they whooped them. I mean, it was it was a three game series, but none they were none all blowouts. Won. It was just like the offense on one team showed up, the other team didn't, in all three games, which we kind of expected. We knew pitching wasn't going to be as dominant, but we I was impressed say, with Arizona's pitching. I was we really did impressed. Say had to win his start. Yeah, and they threw him game two. They threw him game two instead of game one. And I don't know if that came back to bite him because I feel like if he would have thrown him game one, he could have thrown a little bit in relief game three. But he was done after game two. Um, did, was that all the series already? Did I just go through them real fast? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, if I forgot a series, I apologize. I went ahead and just scribbled down on my paper in front of me. But dude. I mean, well, who's our Omaha eight? Tennessee, Virginia, Mississippi State, Texas. Um, and then for, on the left side of the bracket, it goes NC State, Stanford, Stanford. Arizona and bottom left of the bracket. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to think of the bracket. Why can't I just think of the teams? Um, Texas. Well, no, no. Well, got, Texas. NC State, Stanford, Arizona, and then who was on the bottom left? Um, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. And then on the yeah. right, and then on the right, it goes um, Texas, Mississippi State, Virginia, Tennessee. Yep. And we hey, shout out to us. We just did that off the top of the head. We oh, do yeah, not yeah. have we have no internet right now. Our internet has been sucking ass lately. Yeah. Um, with Dimitri being listening. in Italy. But we're we're grinding through it here. I have no notes. I have no notes. I have no iPhone. I have I'm literally um off the dome. Dividend or dividing all my internet focus on the Zoom call so I can't look up anything else. Please bear with me here, and I guarantee I'll still like be like ninety nine percent correct. Yes. But if I'm one percent correct, just let me know. Yeah. I like trolls. I love trolls. <laughs> I saw you getting chirped at a little bit this weekend. Someone was like, "Dimitri talking to the mic." <laughs> Wait, what? Somebody commented on one of our tweets and was like, "Dimitri talking to the mic." <laughs> talking to the mic, like were they talking far away or something? Yeah, I guess on the last episode you weren't talking into the mic, but it was funny. I, I do. I love I'm when talking into the mic now, you. bitch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, dude, the, the trolls are funny because at least it shows that they listen. But let's go ahead and just start with a super regional wrap up. Um, I am a little bit on time constraint here. I got to go to work here in about an hour, hour and a half ish, and then flying out to Omaha Thursday morning. I'll be in Omaha Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then maybe going back the next weekend depends on how this weekend goes. But yeah, some of us, we have obligations. We have work obligations and can't take off vacation too much. PTO, baby. Yeah. All right, let's do this. So we have, let's go ahead and start with the Vanderbilt East Carolina Regional. That was the first game of the first day on Friday. We had a little Gavin Williams versus Kumar Rocker matchup. And holy crap, man. I mean, just pure dominance from both guys. I mean, I was super impressed with Gavin Williams. I heard about him all year long. I watched him pitch one game, I think, against the University of Houston, and he dominated. But he was 10-0 and going into the start. And I told he, you, Ben. I told you that dude was electric. Dude, he was pumping 99 in the first inning. And I was like, whoa. Like, 
Dear God, man. So his draft stock went up tremendously. He shut down Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. He made a couple hundred thousand bucks. Yes, he, easily. He made a couple hundred thousand dollars just because, I mean, you remember the whole thing with Kyle. When he would get, when when the whole draft thing was going on, everyone's like, uh, his competition is down. I'd rather take a season bet from the SCCAC, um, all that stuff. They, they kept trying to find excuses to lower his value because that's how they do it. That's yep. how they try to get good players for cheaper. Yeah, somebody's yep. gonna leak some shit to the media. Oh, we don't think he's that good, and it lowers his hype. Gavin, I mean, I'm not saying the AAC is weak competition, but when you're looking at a Kumar and Lighter, you automatically assume they're way better than Gavin Williams or even a Ty Madden. But when you look at his stuff, he's right there with them. Right there with them, man. An incredible season for him. Now let's talk about these umpires for a second because atrocious i'm not usually the one to complain about umpires i know their jobs are hard but dude when you're giving kumar rocker and jack Leiter five six inches off the plate a little league strike zone of course east carolina is not going to score runs like those guys cannot compete with that and and i felt like there was a lot of questionable calls going against gavin williams i thought that his strike zone was much tighter and i mean kumar rocker in the postseason we've seen it this is the second year now he just gets it up yeah. another notch. And when you give him pitches outside or inside two or three inches up, down, whatever way it is, he's just going to carve people up. And East Carolina was a good offense. Like they had a really good numbers going into the series and they you know, just were shut you know, down for 18 innings. You know what, what kind of like annoyed me is all the people were like, well, you got to protect the strike zone better with two strikes. And I'm like, listen, I'm listen, bud. If you give me a 39-inch bat, then maybe I can protect the zone. But you've been playing baseball for so long, you learn a strike zone. Yeah. You kind of have a general idea of a strike zone. Why would I swing on a pitch that is a ball, that is clearly a ball? Like, it's not like a borderline one-umpire call. It one doesn't. Like, they have they have somewhat consistent zone. You see a hitter, hey, that the highest you'll go, that the furthest you'll go out. In the first three innings of a game, they're going to learn their umpire strike zone. Exactly. As pitches come in, they say, hey, where was that? Where you going any further? This wasn't one of those situations. This was just, dude, you've got to be kidding me. I can't, I can't even touch that. Why would I swing at that? That's not baseball. Yeah. And people so on Twitter that were them, people on Twitter that were going back to their high school days saying, like, yeah, back in my day, you would just foul that pitch off and get a better one. It's like, dude, you're not fouling off 98, three inches, four inches off the plate. You, you can't even foul that off. Like and then okay, and then then let's say East Carolina says, okay, we're gonna start sticking our bat out there and foul those pitches off. Kumar will saw you off inside. Yeah. And we saw it with Jack Leiter. We saw it with Jack Leiter with that umpire cam 98 up and in. Dude, you can't like it's a different game now. It's not kids throwing 85, 86 on the corners like Greg Maddox used to do. Like these these guys in college are throwing upper 90s now. You can't just lean over the plate and try to foul pitches off because they'll buzz you inside. They're going to bust your ass inside so hard, you're going to break a metal bat. Yeah. No, I don't know about that. But um, And then, like, also another big umpire miscue here. Vanderbilt scores their first run on a bunt. The guy is clearly out of the box, and I don't I don't know how the home plate umpire missed that call. But, yeah, I mean, that was how they scored their first run on Friday. But, you know, pretty tight games. I was impressed with East Carolina's pitching staff. I thought the bullpen was good. The game two starter, uh, I'm unable to look up his name. If you would have asked me – a day ago, I would have had it. But the lefty, he was carving um, Vanderbilt pitchers up. But now Vanderbilt comes in as the favorite for the College World Series now that Arkansas is eliminated. And, dude, it's going to be tough to beat those guys in Omaha between Jack Lyon and Kumar Rocker. But Vanderbilt's in deep trouble if they lose one of the first two games, trying to come through the loser's bracket. I don't think they have the pitching depth. And I don't. Let me ask you this. So Cliff Godwin, in his post-game interview after the, the Super Regional was done, he was like basically like, dude, I love this team. I love this program. I, I couldn't be more proud. He goes, we're going to get to Omaha. I don't know when it is. It's coming soon. Do you feel like East Carolina has just gotten the short end of the stick? Because, I mean, they had to go face a really damn good Louisville team two years ago. Yeah. It, it was, they had to face um, – they had to face what's his name, um, um, the two-way guy from Louisville. No, no, Brendan McKay. Brendan McKay. Yeah, they had to face McKay game one, and then they had to face another flamethrower. And then this year they had to face Kumar and Leiter. Odds stacked against them. Nothing was helping them. And you're looking around the other rest of the regionals. You're like, 
East Carolina, could they have beaten Dallas Baptist? Yes. Could they have beaten Virginia? Yes. Could they have beaten South Florida? Yes. Could they have competed with Texas? Probably. Could they have potentially beat some of these other teams? And you're just like, dude, you feel for Cliff Godwin. Like, let's let's get let's. I want to see what he does with the, if things are in his favor to advance right. to Omaha. And his his best chance of getting to Omaha, of course, is to get a national seed, like and host or super regional against maybe a lower tier team but they just kind of got in the short end of the draw but um there's nothing to take away from their season they had a great season Vanderbilt is looking really good um I know they have a lot of offensive pieces that were shut down this weekend but with the balls being juiced in Omaha I mean I think they play I think they match up well in Omaha I think they have guys that gonna split the gaps at the ball over the fence I I really like this Vanderbilt team because I just don't see anybody beating them game one or game two now moving on we have the Arkansas regional, which was the most talked about regional or sorry, I keep saying regional, super regional, super regional, super regional. The most talked about super regional, most, I would say the most social media buzz with that super regional NC state goes out game one and just gets slacked 21 but, to two. Hold on, hold on people. That's the thing I really wanted to emphasize on this episode. You know, it you're going to, you know, exactly what I'm about to say. People see that score and they're like, oh my God, Arkansas is so good. No, NC State threw literally nobody. Yeah, they, they had they to. They punted. The score with, they were down early. They sent, all right, we got to play for the next two now. So they just threw out no name after no name after no name, basically saying, you're not getting a single one of our guys because we're going, we're playing for the next two now. So Arkansas scoring 21, yes, they still had to hit the ball. They still had to mash. But it was like, this isn't, this isn't, how and this isn't anything against nc state yeah and and there's always that theory in college baseball and just baseball in general like did you score too many runs game one like there's there's times where like you feel like you ran out of run yeah you just run out of runs you score so many and then like guys just have different approaches at the plate moving forward they think it's going to be easy and they're going to barrel balls up and then nc state through some of their dudes and that lefty out of the bullpen they have is really good. 94, 95 effortless, like a lot of seeking action. And the Arkansas hitters were kind of caught off guard, I would say, in game two. I mean, they were down Their six to two. Really good. It was so good. And what I mean by like they, their game plan was so good, they didn't they didn't fall behind. I mean, and nobody wants to just fall behind. Nobody says, oh, I'm gonna throw a ball first and then I'm gonna battle. They were getting ahead and pounding the zone so much that when you do that, I don't care how good of a hitter you are. It's harder to hit. Yeah. And so you get up in the box, you're already down 0-1, 0-2. You didn't really have a chance to see pitches. You didn't have a chance to build some confidence. You're just in the hole immediately. And now you're in protect mode. And when you're not walking, guys, you have no runners on. You're at 0-2 count, one out. You're. It's just like... The, the whole mentality at the plate changes. You're absolutely yeah. right on that. NC State literally took out – they eliminated Robert Moore from getting – Robert Moore, I think, is a hype hitter almost. When you well, feel I, like – I don't know big, why he's a switch hitter, to be honest. I think like 13 of his 14 home runs were from the left side of the plate this I, year. I was about to say, dude. When it you just see looks Robert completely Moore different. Left side. Yeah. But I mean, he's – Christian Franklin was sick. He So who knows how good he was feeling. But Opus, they kind of – they took out the hype. The last two games, they took away the fan crowd. They 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 eliminated everything and just put the game in their favor. Where Arkansas almost had to earn everything rather than just a walk, walk, two zero count, boom, three run homer. They took they eliminated the momentum and and, and that's in my cap. And that's why and that's how Arkansas was so damn good this year. Was you know they they built uh, like these big run innings, like multi three, four, five run innings off of walks, errors, and then boom, extra base hit bases are clearing those kind of things and we, we kind of hinted at it i've been hinting at it for like the last five weeks saying like arkansas is kind of teetering on the like are they that good or are they kind of just getting a lot of breaks and they're kind of messing with fire here um and we knew that nc state was going to be a, a competitive team with them because they could hit they could field and pitch and I, that's why i and picked nc state to win. And, and NC State was just hot. And that's a team that started one and eight in ACC play and just changed the whole season around about halfway through the year. Hey, but, did yeah. you know this? Did you know that this blew, blew my mind, but it was 100% correct as soon as I read it. NC State or Arkansas had zero top 50 draft prospects. And that blows my mind. 
But it, but it's so, it makes so much, it's like so true, but it blows your mind because when you go through their lineup, everyone is just a solid player, but not one guy is just like, dude, he's so fucking good kind of thing. You know, yeah. look at their pitching staff. Cops electric, but he's not a guy that you're like drooling over in terms of the next level. Yeah. He's a six year Franklin. Christian Franklin batted what 260 on the year. He wasn't, he would, dude, the guy, the guy's unbelievable. I, he was one of my favorite players in college baseball. In terms he of was just, struggling in terms the last playing, couple weeks. Yeah. In terms of playing hard, he's always making plays in the outfield. He's always showing up, but he's not a top 50 prospect. Brady Slavin, Ope, I think Opit's one of the best catchers in the league and in, in, in the country, but he's not a, a wow me prospect. Yeah. He's just a, seasoned veteran backstop he's almost like a guy that you might see in triple a for a couple years until he if he can start hitting better sure but he's a vet game manager like a quarterback for arkansas exactly um and then if you look around their team robert moore i hate to i hate to say this but size matters when in terms of a guy if a team wants to drop a million dollars on somebody size kind of matters i mean you're not going to get a whole bunch of dust in pejoria no, and Robert I mean, Moore reminds me of him. And but, yeah, I mean, like I think I think Robert Moore will play in the major leagues, and I think he'll be fine. But I don't I mean, know, dude. Honestly, I don't know, dude. If I if I'm if I'm a hater fodder for him right now, I'm I'm all more than happy to feed him motivation. But I just don't see him as a, being a big leaguer. He, he is like like look at Jake Mangum. Jake Mangum had hit more for average, probably a little bit much better speed. Robert Moore had more power. But he's not, a, he's not a full toolsy package when you're looking for a top five round guy. And then you look at, you know, you just look around the, their lineup. You're like, that that's makes so much sense. Pitching side of thing. They have a bunch of middle of the pack, solid, really solid players, but no wow me prospect. Right. And I, I still put them up there as like one of the best overall teams we've seen because there was oh, no yeah. like weaknesses. Yeah. I thought one through nine, say- they had a really good order, but. Would you say they overachieved? No, I, I think if they would have went to Omaha and and won some games in Omaha, I would have said, yeah, they probably overachieved this year. It wasn't a team that everybody beginning of the season were, was looking forward to. But if you put them up against like Florida, who has a lot of draft guys, or put them up against a team like I'm, I'm, who's like a team right now, like like Vanderbilt, even with a lot of draft prospects. Like they hang in there and they beat, they win those games. They win those series because I think one through nine, they're better. And like, they just, I think, I think that they, they're, they're all just gamers, man. They're all just dirt bags. They like love the game. They play hard. They know how to play smart. Uh, it's like like, dude, I'm team. actually like a little sad that Arkansas didn't make the, the college world series. Cause I, I thought that this too. team could have been one of the best teams we've seen ever really like overall one through like one through 35 on the roster. I thought that they were all really damn good players, but it, it sucks. And like Jose Torres hitting that game winning home run with two strikes mm-hmm. off Kevin Copps in the ninth in game three. I mean, what a big time play for a big time player. I mean, he hit that ball 900 feet and it was a hanging the gyro ball or whatever. It looked like he was sitting on but it. Was, it. It was almost, it was almost like down in the way a little bit and he went and got it. Yeah. But he, and- he that guy, that guy, good player. That guy, I like that guy a lot. Over the past month, I've become a fan of him. I mean, even in R- Ruston. Yeah. Did I just said that right? Yeah, you did for once. You always said Ruston. See, I make adjustments, Ben. I make adjustments here. Um, he in Ruston, he was electric. Devonta Brown, I think NC State. I think this is where you say, okay, dude, these guys have a legitimate chance of winning Omaha. For sure. I mean, they just went through the number one team in the nation at, on the road and, and beat them two out of three. Yeah, they have a good shot to win Omaha. And I, I'm excited to see NC State. I really am because I'm going to watch them play in person on Saturday. But the just like kind of the little heartbreak that I have, I was so excited to see Arkansas play in the College World Series. And this was their best chance to win a national championship. We saw them, and if you're an Arkansas fan, close your ears. But in 2018... I mean, they were one out away from beating Oregon State, win the first ever national championship, and they were up one nothing in that series. And to lose lose that game, and then go back and lose the next game, I feel for Arkansas fans, man. I really do because they're they're good fans, very passionate about their teams. They're so close, and they were so close. But I mean, tip our caps to NC State. That's a hell of a program. 
Uh, JT Jarrett, the son of Notre Dame head coach Link Jarrett, going to Omaha. So Link Jarrett's going to Omaha, even though in- Notre Dame just lost to Mississippi State. Link Jarrett Does is Link going Jarrett to Does Link Jarrett throw on the red and black? For sure. He's going to be rooting for his son. Uh, it doesn't gotta, matter. Gotta, He's not wearing Notre Dame gear. He's not wearing neutral colors. He's wearing red and black for, for NC State. Now, one last thing I want to talk about this Arkansas regional. Kevin Copps. What a warrior, man. And I saw people on Twitter and the buzz that was like, man, like, how are you going to start your closer? And then he gives up two runs pretty early. And they're like, see, I told you that's a dumb move. The guy grinded over 110 pitches, got through the eighth inning tie ball game. And then he comes out for the ninth and gives up that home run. You got to so, ride with your guy. You got to yeah, ride he- with your guy. He's the best player in college baseball. Golden Spikes Award winner this year, hands down. And for a six-year senior, just to tell the coach, hey, you know what? Like, I got this. That You guys just score some runs for me. I'll got, I got this. And it's one of those where if Arkansas would have scored seven runs for him and he goes eight-plus innings, giving up three runs, people are saying, this guy's a hero, this guy's a hero. And there was a lot of backlash from non-Arkansas fans saying, like, oh, that's so stupid. Why do you send him out for the ninth inning? He's already over 100 pitches. I have your guy. Like, who else are you going to throw out there? Like, who else are you going to throw out there to, in a tie game? And, and, dude, I mean, could Jackson Wiggins have gone out there and gotten three out? Maybe. Probably. But – but you 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 don't want to you don't want to take cop it, like let's say you take cops out you put Wiggins in there and he and he gives up that home run like lead off like, walk double why do you take cops out like, yeah why, it's why a lose lose like, people were saying like oh Dave Van Horn mismanaged his pitching staff like I would have never thrown my guy over a hundred pitches after pitching the day before I, I'm nah. sorry but I think it's the right move I, I if 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 Kevin Cop says he can do it who's to tell him nope man you're done for the day. And I know he came back in after the eighth inning and said, I got this, like tie the game up and I'll pitch the ninth. And of course it backfired on him, but I mean, unfreaking believable season for Kevin Cobb. Arkansas, Arkansas is not even your SEC champ without Kevin Cobb. No shot. I mean, they're nothing they're, without they're, him. They're, they're, they're just another they're, quality SEC team without him. I think you would take away probably four or five games that they've won and turn those into losses, at least if Kevin Cobb is not on that team. Because, I mean, their bullpen was weak this year. I mean, besides... I, bet, I bet Nebraska beats them without Kevin Cobb. Ke- yeah, Nebraska 100% beats them. Kevin Cobb's threw, what, like 180 pitches that weekend? They're, I mean... 100%. I, I feel bad Move for on. Kevin Cobb's, but, I mean, he's going to have a successful career in baseball, I think. I think he is going to pitch in the major leagues. And he's just all-around good dude. We saw him signing autographs after the game an hour and a half later, uh, talking to young fans. I mean, he's a good dude, so... Um, anyways, let's move on. We spent a lot of time there. Let's go ahead and spend a little bit of time, just a short bit, bit of time on this Texas regional USF South Florida wins the American athletic conference tournament. They get into Omaha or uh, get into a, a regional, sorry. And the regional draw, they get Florida, Miami and South Alabama. And you're looking at that regional thinking, dang dude, Florida's really good. Miami's really good. South Alabama has been hot. No chance. These guys even win a game. They're going to in barbecue. Uh-uh. They win on Friday against Florida, went on Saturday against Miami, and then they're sitting in the winner's bracket, and Miami gets eliminated, Florida gets eliminated, and then it's boom, South Alabama, who was really good, and they win game one. And it comes to a best-of-five game, and or best-of-winner-take-all game is what I'm trying to say. And they beat South Alabama, they punch a ticket to the Super Regional and go against Texas, and boom, they get Ty Madden Friday, or game one. I think it was actually Saturday. It was Saturday. Get Ty Madden Saturday, and Ty Madden just absolutely shoved. 97, 98 miles an hour. These guys never seen anything like it. And get all the way to the ninth inning. And Texas puts a run across, make it 3 nothing. Well, they have seen it. They saw Gavin Williams, so. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just busting your ball here. <laughs> true. But they haven't seen Ty Madden stuff, who's, I think, a top three pitcher in the country. And so get to the ninth inning. Texas is up 3 nothing. Boom, leadoff home run, oppo, 3-1. Okay, and I think I tweeted out, like, eh, a little too late for South Florida, but maybe build some momentum for tomorrow. And then, like, they get two quick outs, and then it's, like, double, tying run to the plate, and this freshman who's been hurt all year gets to two strikes and then launches a ball to right field over everything, out of the stadium, and boom, tie game. I'm like, uh-oh, South Florida has all the momentum. Texas fans are shaking in their boots right now. And then it comes the ninth inning, Two quick outs, error by the shortstop, 
And after that era, I was like, uh oh, you're giving Texas a little bit of room to breathe. And then yep. the one thing that came up two, okay, so Dimitri, let me ask you this two outs, runner on first, tie game, bottom nine. Where are you playing your outfielders? I mean, nothing should get over your head. Nothing like no doubles. Keep the ball in front of you. Even if it's I a mean, ball in the gap, you can I cut mean, that run off at home. Worst case scenario, the guy hit the you know ground ball in front of you, man on second and third, or 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 first and third, or second and third, whatever it is. Don't let but that run. What I'm score. saying is, you just can't you just can't be in position to let the guy score from first. Yeah, and so USF doesn't put their outfielders in. No double on a turf defense. field. On a turf on a, field. On a turf field. And I know this because Texas has that big Longhorn painted into center field, and the guy was playing in front of that Longhorn, or at least like on the he nose. Like, he of was the like at the tip of it. At the yeah. tip of it. And you got to be way behind it. Yeah. And Eric Kennedy hits a ball deep center field, and, and he wore, and he had a bad he, dude. He had a bad. He ran a bad route on bad it. routes he, and like didn't get a good jump on the ball three times. And I'm thinking when he hits it, I'm like, okay, that ball's caught. Like, they're playing no doubles. And then the camera pans to him. I'm like, dude, he's 80 feet away from this ball. He's not going to catch it. And it one hops about maybe a foot or two in front of the warning track, which in no doubles, that should be – you're, you're camped under it. And, yeah. you know, reaches out, he misses it by three feet. Once the ball lands, it's like, okay, ball game over. Texas Do you is- notice at Mississippi State, you feel like they're always playing at the track on the – Yeah, well, it's a smaller field. I mean, Texas's ballpark is huge. And, like, it's big, big gaps. but – on a turf field, you've got to be back. You have to, man. And so South Florida loses that one, and they go out and show a little bit of fight in game two, but still get smacked like 12 to four or something like that. And um, USF season's done. But Texas, we've talked about it 100 yeah. times now. They had two four seeds in their regional. Fairfield was the three seed, but they should have been a four seed. Like talent-wise, they should have been a four seed. Arizona State was their two seed. They should have been a three seed, in my opinion. And then they get a four seed in the super regionals. Good for Texas. Good for their fans. But are you really like proud if you're Texas? I mean, of course they're proud to get back to Omaha for the 37th time. Oh, I don't care, dude. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Damn, how I get to Omaha. I mean, think about that road compared to like what Nebraska was matched up against. What um, Tennessee, Tennessee, Arkansas, Arkansas. Even exactly. It just kind of it. I don't want to say it taints their road to Omaha, but at the same time, we still haven't seen like how good Texas really is. I mean, is that fair? Especially it after Texas po- Tech. In the postseason, yeah. In the postseason. They have not been tested. And they haven't been tested, which is good. I mean, an easy road to Omaha, they'll take it 100 times out of 100. But we saw what Stanford did to Texas Tech. Like, is the Big 12 really that good? And we saw TCU lose in their regional to Dallas Baptist. So, like, Oklahoma State got blasted yeah oklahoma state got blasted like is the big 12 really that good i don't know like we had three sec teams two acc teams two pac 12 teams make it and then we had one big 12 team make it to omaha and that one team is texas and they have had the easiest road by far so i don't know what to believe of texas i don't know if they're really good and kind of got lucky or if they just got lucky but i'm gonna leave it at that uh texas advances to omaha i'm excited for their fans they have a great fan base they're going to travel well to Omaha. 37 trips, man. 37 trips to Omaha. That, that number blows my mind. It would take a team like, I don't know, like let's just take a NC East State. Carolina team. Still East Carolina. Yeah, East Carolina still hasn't made it. It would take them 1,000 years to make it 37 times. And So props to Texas Longhorn fans, but that's all we're going to say about that Super Regional. Um, let's go ahead and talk about LSU and Tennessee real fast. The other UT, the other orange UT, maybe the real UT. I don't know. Up to debate. But Tennessee goes down 2-1, like probably in the fifth or sixth inning. Hilliard was unbelievable for LSU, the fifth-year senior. Uh, was carving up Tennessee hitters. And then right whenever they got into the bullpen, Tennessee scores three runs and takes the lead 4-2. And I was so impressed with Chad Dallas, the starter for Tennessee, even coming off of that rain delay. I mean, Chad Dallas had 12 strikeouts in six innings and was electric. And exactly what Tennessee that. needed. And, dude, the fans were incredible at Lindsey Nelson. Outside of the stadium, there was a couple thousand fans just sitting watching on a screen. That's a baseball school now, man. Ben, there were more people on the street watching the TV outside of Lindsey Nelson than there were at shit. Maybe at Vanderbilt or at Texas Tech or at 
I mean, that's more fans. That's more fans than you could add up every home game from Stanford season, and that was more sitting outside the stadium than they saw. Oh, there was more people in the street than there were at the Dallas Baptist Virginia Super. Oh, easily twice as many. And so I was. I mean, I love Tony Vitello. I know you said you think he's kind of a fake, like fraud, whatever. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. I just, I just, I was getting. I was. I I still love the guy, but I just think, dude, he's kind of annoying me in some ways, which is fine. I mean, like he's a player's coach, which is awesome. If I was on the team, I would think totally different. But just from a spectator standpoint, sometimes I'm like, damn, bro, relax. Like, right. like relax. You're the I mean, you're, he's you're a the full head throttle now. guy. You're- full throttle guy coming from Dave Van Horn as an assistant in Arkansas. But what he's built over there at Tennessee oh, could not have had a better hire. If you're Tennessee, you're thinking we got this one right, and let's let let's not let him leave. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's staying at Tennessee for the long haul. I know they've promised him a new stadium, or at least upgrades to the stadium, and I, they deserve it. I think next year, rolling around Tennessee is going to sell out pretty much every home game. Those those fans are bought into the field or into the baseball program, and baseball I, I'm happy is for the number one sport in Knoxville. Yes, hundred percent. They're going to travel so well to Omaha, like, and it's going to be funny because you're going to have two UTs and orange in Omaha and you're not gonna be able to tell them apart. So they're just going to get blended in together. People are gonna be like, wow, like Texas has so many fans are like, wow, Tennessee has so many fans. And it might be a little mixture of both, but um, I want to talk about Paul Maneri and his career. Tip my cap to him. Incredible coaching career. He retires. I thought LSU was going to have magic, make it to Omaha. Like Mike Martin did in 2019 with Florida state. I was saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks. You said LSU didn't deserve to be in the tournament. They came through that tough Oregon regional and they made it to a super regional and you know, they, they got put in a tough task. Like they got swept by Tennessee earlier this year and you know, just a good matchup for Tennessee overall, but that LSU team is young. I think they're going to be much better next year and who knows who their coach is going to be. We have no idea. No idea. Absolutely. Zero idea. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. A, I'll tell you a person that I think is going to get in the mix here. I think Link Jarrett from Notre Dame. I think. I think LSU is going to be all over him. I mean, dude, the way the way Notre Dame rates, the way their lineup, how good that lineup was. I mean, imagine bringing a kind of guy that can build that kind of lineup in in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, this guy's the limit there. Yeah, and he's a younger I mean, coach. And, and a lot of bright side coming up with him. I think Link Jarrett gets a lot of consideration. I think Cliff Godwin from East Carolina is going to get a lot of consideration too. And I think that's why LSU has waited so long to like really burst the bubble of who's going to be the next coach. And I think Paul Maneri is going to have a big say in who he wants to be hired next. I think LSU is going to consult him a lot. And I think he has respect for both of those guys. I'm going to say- 100%, 100% Paul Maneri should be at that meeting table. Yeah. With he's a deserved large it. input. Yeah, he deserves because he's still going to be coming to games. Like he's not going to just not stop coming to LSU baseball. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know where I don't know where he's from, but I think he's in Baton Rouge the rest of his life. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the guy deserves a statue. Uh, maybe not a statue, but he deserves a lot of honor in Alex Box Stadium. Whether it's a sign or potential statue, I don't know. But um, yeah, Tennessee pretty right. much ran away with it yesterday and took the. I forgot to mention to you. There's only one team in the country that hasn't lost a series all year. Stanford. Yes, dude. And that's like, I'm glad you said that because that's like the, the next region or super region we're going to talk about here. Stanford and Texas Tech. I was shit talking Stanford all year, saying like, I don't think they're that good. I don't think they have the pitching depth. Offense isn't great. And then I was like coming up with excuses for them. Like, oh, they're going to be blistering hot in the Texas Tech Lubbock desert. Texas Tech fans are going to be all over them. Like, it's a ghost they town. It's until... freaking black. Yeah. And then freaking, what's the guy's name? Brandon Beck shows up and says, boys, we're in black today. It's going to be hot. going to be 106 degrees. We're wearing black. Texas Tech funeral. Yeah, it was for Texas Tech's funeral because he went complete game. No, he didn't go complete game, did he? No, that was Alex Williams. I think he went seven. Yeah, and I mean, they, dude, from start to finish, Stanford scored four runs early in game one, just coasted through the rest of game one. And then game two, Alex Williams comes out and shoves complete game shutout, nine nothing Stanford. Holy crap, man. Stanford's the real deal. It was a funeral. And it sucks because there's nothing else going on in Lubbock. And so everybody in the whole freaking city was there. And 
they just they didn't see one bit of good baseball. Texas Tech was never in it. Never. Like not one moment where I was like, oh, Texas Tech's gonna make a comeback here. Nope, offense wasn't good. Uh, and Stanford just shut them out. So I mean, that's all I have to say is Stanford, I they earned a lot of respect for me as a non-biased but kind of biased college baseball reporter slash podcaster. Stanford is going to give a lot of teams trouble in this in this college world series. They might be a sleeper if, pick to win it if, all. If Omaha plays out the way we think it is, where we might have a chance to see more offense, Stanford might be playing in the final series. Yeah, and dude, it's so funny because they all have mustaches. They look great. Bunch of nerds, man. Bunch of nerds that are having fun and hitting the shit out of the baseball. So uh-huh. good for Stanford. Um, uh, we got to kind of speed this up a little bit. I got to get ready for work in about 20 minutes. But um, let's go ahead and move to the Mississippi State Regional. or super, God dang it. If I say regional one more time, I'm cutting the podcast off. Super regional in Starkville where they broke an attendance record, Dimitri. Over 40,000 people in three games. And they broke the single game Saturday. And they broke the single game Saturday. Saturday. What an absolute sight at Duty Noble Field. And you got the Catholics versus the Cowbells, Rudy versus Duty. All of that storylines. Mississippi State fans made it fun. And we kind of predicted the regional exactly how it went. So props to us. We said Mississippi State's going to win Friday night. There are game one. I think it was on Saturday. It was on Saturday. Who cares? Um, they win it, and, dude, they should not have won that game. Notre Dame outplayed them besides defense. Notre Dame was coming in as the number one team in fielding percentage in the country, just like like fractions of a point away from setting an NCAA record of all time, fielding like 984 yeah, on the year. Yeah. And they made four errors in the first five innings and just gave Mississippi State and their fans life because they, they capitalized on those errors. Mississippi State, they hit the ball well. Rowdy Jordan is – one of the best postseason players we've seen in college baseball. He just turns it up a notch, similar to like what Kumar uh, Kumar Rocker does on the mound. And you know Tanner Allen had a great weekend. Cameron James hit a big home run, and it just feels like the home field advantage Mississippi State gets in regionals and There's super regionals. Like There's nothing else like it. And Link Jarrett, the head coach of Notre Dame, had a huge quote saying. Basically kind of talking mess to the NCAA saying, we thought we deserved a national seed. You send us on the road to the best college baseball atmosphere in America for a super regional. Like we have to deal with it, but we felt like we deserved a national seed, which they did. We've, we talked about it on selection Monday, Notre Dame deserved a national seed. They were the best team in the ACC by far. Who's turned out to be a really damn good conference in this postseason, And they won the league by five games and they weren't a national seed. You gave it to a team like Texas tech, and so I know it's all like hearsay stuff. Like, I mean, Notre Dame raked, dude. They, I feel they, bad like for Notre Dame. Inning, they, were, they were raking. Yeah, I feel bad for Notre Dame. I really do because they took care of their regional, outscored opponents 50 to 5 in their regional. And then in the super regional, they scored a ton of runs, but Mississippi State just had that home field advantage and that like postseason swagger. The players always play better. And and that's the same Mississippi State team that got run rule twice in the SEC tournament. And then you give them, you know, the seven overall national seed and you match them up against Notre Dame, who did everything right all year. And they just get in a tough position. But great season from Notre Dame. Link Jarrett has that program in the right direction. I think they're going to be a favorites to win the ACC next year. And we'll see what Link Jarrett does. But let's talk about Nico Cavadas, your Greek, your Greek brother over there. Dimitri, what that guy, knew. that guy has played himself into big time draft speculation now because I would say the most raw power in college baseball. I haven't seen anybody else personally who has you watched the, Were you watching the game last night? Oh, yeah. I was watching it on my Did phone you at work. see the camera keep zooming in on his biceps? They're huge, man. I mean, he's, he's bigger than Kyle Schwarber was, and there was a ton of hype around Kyle Schwarber. I know he was a catcher at the time at Indiana, but when he would come to the plate – for Indiana back in like 2012, 2013, whenever he was there, um, the camera did the same thing. Just zoomed in on his biceps, just big meaty guy. And Nico Cavadas is bigger than him and has more power. So I think he's going to be maybe a late first round pick, early second round pick. You just can't teach that kind of power. And dude, he hits the ball well to all fields. Um, I know he ended into like he ended the game in a double play, but whatever. It was a great pitch by Landon Sim down and away breaking ball. But I mean, he took, I would say, the second best pitcher 
or second best relief pitcher in college baseball behind Kevin Copps, Landon Sims, who's been electric all year, took his 95 up in the zone and literally deposited it 500 feet. Like you could not hit a ball any further. That ball was 460 minimum. Minimum. I want the stack. I want the hit track. I want. I want the hit track track too. I want to see because that ball was that ball was cliche quote was sent to the fucking moon. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Sent to the moon, and it was just so funny because even Mississippi State fans were like, "Oh, they've never <laughs> seen a ball hit that far." No. At Duty Noble. Someone they said, "Like, oh, it. maybe Mitch Moreland has hit a ball that far." No, 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 no. Mitch Moreland didn't hit a ball that far. Like Rafael Palmero and and Will Clark didn't hit balls that far. That ball it, was so far. I, I I would love to have seen what that would have been like with the BESR bats. <laughs> I don't know, dude. He barreled. I mean, the BB, the, the BESR had more room for error. But in terms of just pure barrel contact, I, I think that ball, I don't think it mattered what bat you were using because that thing was going 500 feet with any bat. Yeah. And it was good that it happened. I mean, I wish it would have happened like maybe a lead change or maybe tie the game up. Of course, it was a it blowout at that point. But like even Mississippi State fans admired it. You could hear it in the crowd going, oh. <laughs> just that like whoa, okay <laughs> but that was cool to see mississippi state i mean Manchester all right ben ben that ball was hit so far even pitching ninja put up a video saying wow yeah pitching ninja and it, dude it wasn't off some scrub pitcher it was off landon sims so but no he never posted hitter doing anything yeah that's how far that ball was hit he, he even he posted a video of the hitter and he never does that <laughs> right um, but Mississippi State, they advanced to, is this like their third straight Omaha or maybe fourth straight? Third straight, third straight four out of the last eight years. So in their last eight years, they have a 50-50 shot every year of going to Omaha. Yeah. Uh, good for them. Pretty impressive. Good for them. Um, and I think they would have went to Omaha last year too. So that would have, I mean, it's obviously COVID. I mean, it's as easy know. to say, but you never know. They've, yeah. I mean. You never know. Yeah. But let's talk about – we got a few more regionals left. Uh, we got Virginia Dallas Baptist. Hey, it's not regional, just super. Oh, my God. What an idiot I am. I have just said I was going to cut the podcast off if I said it. Super, right, well, you know well, why? Well, you got, I got to write well, super right here. I just have REG next to most of my notes. And it just – I'm so sorry to all the listeners. I hope you guys can poke some fun at me because what I'm my performance today has been – very, very bad. It's been above par. I'm shooting like 12 over right now in, a, in an easy golf course. In the Super Regional that was hosted in Columbia, South Carolina, Dallas Baptist and Virginia played both three seeds, so we were guaranteed a three seed into Omaha. Dallas Baptist, our boy Andrew Benefield, hits a go-ahead home run in like the seventh, eighth, or ninth, put it six to five on game seven. one. In the seventh. Seventh inning, you're right. And and I was thinking, you know, Dallas Baptist, this, Dallas Baptist is this team of destiny. They're Dallas Bombers University. Great program. They've been around really relevant for like the last eight to 10 years where they've really just advanced in like analytics and player development. And they're able to recruit guys at TCU and Texas and Texas A&M and um, Baylor, those, those schools, Texas Tech get to recruit. They're up there with them. And it's a program that was built off of nothing. And now they are very relevant in college baseball. They won the Missouri Valley Conference, which is a really good conference. And, you know, they, they took care of business in the TCU Regional the week before. And I was thinking, you know, this is a team of destiny. We're going to see them make an Omaha run. And after game one, I was locked in on it. But Virginia, they've won six straight elimination games in this postseason. And I saw a side-by-side from their 20, what was it, 2015 when they won the College World Series as a three seed? Yeah, because they beat Vanderbilt. And it's very similar stuff. Like they started out ACC play so bad and then they finished up really good. And then they were a three seed. They won a bunch of elimination games. And I mean, we'll just walk through what happened yesterday on Monday, the 1 PM start time Dallas Baptist jumps out to a two nothing lead from a home run from Jackson Glenn, who's right up there in the mid-major player of the year conversation. I think he has like 21 home runs now as a second baseman just the catalyst of that offense. And I was thinking, okay, Dallas Baptist is going to win this. Virginia hits a home run, make it two to one. And then comes the seventh or what was it? Eighth, seventh inning, seventh or eighth inning, seventh inning. Yeah. Runner on second, two outs. They're, you know, making a bunch of pitching changes, mound visits and stuff, trying to keep that run from scoring. 
think they ended up walking a guy and then like an infield single. But before all that, before all that, Virginia had three got three different times. They had a man on third, less than two out, and struck out. Struck out. Right. So it was a like it was it was getting to the point where it was like, okay, it's a matter of time before Virginia breaks through. Right. And I kind of <laughs> felt that coming too. Like Virginia was just so close to breaking through. And and dude, like they made so many good defensive plays too. Like it was more of a defensive game. I, I completely oh skipped over that. Oh my god, dude. That guy, that guy bowflexed him yeah. that home run. It was like a Sammy Sosa un- mark. Andres Sosa. Like a Josh Donaldson type yeah. of pimp. And it was, yeah, he's got a very Josh Donaldson like swing. Uh, Andres Sosa, who hit a go or a game tying home run, I think in game two, or go ahead home run in game one or two. I don't remember, but he had an oppo bomb that was touched over right center field. And he hits this home or he hits this ball, bat flips, like Sammy Sosa hops, literally. And then Virginia robs it at center field, like jumps up, catches it. And that's where the momentum started to swing. And I was like, oh, Dallas Baptist is in trouble here. You don't just go pimp a home run and, and keep momentum. Kyle Teal. Grand and then Kyle point. Teal comes up the next inning, hits a grand slam. His helmet's like falling off, running around the bases, puts Virginia up hey, five how, to Virgi- two. how Virginia is that? Helmet's falling off. I swear, it's always in Virginia that their helmets are always falling off. Is that a thing? I- I'm not aware yeah, of that. Dude, but- yeah. Go look. Go, go back. <laughs> It's Let's get new helmets at Virginia. Let's get them. Actually, no, keep it. I like the look. And so Virginia takes that 5-2 lead in game three, and it was all of it. I mean, the comeback kids from, from Dallas Baptist who came back from like three, three-nothing deficit or down by three-run deficits in this postseason. What did I tell you? What did I tell you last week? If, Dal- if Virginia win, they're going to Omaha. If Old Dominion win, Dallas Baptist going to Omaha. And I think, I think you're 100% right because I think if Dallas Baptist was playing Old Dominion, they would have won – I think they would have won this series possibly 2-0. I, I think Dallas Baptist was right up there. But Virginia, they just had the bullpen depth, man. Like every Griff guy they McGarry, threw out dude. there was 95, like on the corners with a nasty how about slider. How about Griff McGarry? Do you have to put him up there in that top 10 category of starting pitchers in the country? Yeah, dude, Griff McGarry, like what he threw, what did he throw? He threw innings on game one and then came back yesterday and threw in relief, dude, right? Again, Old Dominion, he had like, 12 or 13 strikeouts in the first like four or five inning yeah. but he his finger was bleeding so bad that they had to take him out of the game yeah and, and he was a warrior because i remember tweeting about it and, and then I mean, this week it started all over the again. pants yeah and then he did it again but yeah griff mcgarry i mean th- do you think this virginia team has a chance to win it all because the way they've been playing in the elimination games you tell me ben you you were you were there they were your omaha sleeper I liked them before the year and it, it was, it wasn't because of what they're doing now. I thought that they were like, there were players that I thought were going to be much better, like looking at their previous year stats, but they have, they've had guys step up that I've never even heard about. And I, I did say in the first episode, I think Virginia is my Omaha sleeper and who's going to eliminate these guys. That's my question. If you get into elimination game, what team is going to match up and, and eliminate these guys? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I still do. You, okay, let me ask you this: What conference is winning the national championship this year? Wait, do we have any regionals left? Super regionals, ha! Huh. <laughs> you, you're trying to set me up for failure. I see you working. I tried to get you there. <laughs> super regional, yeah. We have one more super regional, and then we'll make it. Right, let's, let's, let's get through it's, that. Real it's quick. Arizona and Ole Miss, and I mean, what is there to say about it besides? Arizona in the desert. Waterhouse. We've talked about their offense all year. They they're double digit machine. Their offense just puts up double digits like it's their job. And of course, they have pitching question marks. But from what I saw, besides game two, where they kind of threw some scrubs at at Ole Miss, just because they knew they had to win one of the next two. Once they got down, they just kind of punted there. But Arizona's got some pitchers out there too. But I'm I was most impressed with Jacob Berry, the freshman. Left-handed hitter. He he hit two balls this weekend that cleared the Terry Francona like hitting facility out there in right field. And f- number one, I think Arizona has a crazy field. I don't like the painted line stuff on the fence and then the fence over it. It's just a weird look and a lot of nooks and crannies there. But it's a big ballpark. It's like 366 to left field and like 350 to right. And these guys were just blasting balls. I know it's in the desert, dry air altitude those things but Mississippi State we knew they had to win the Doug Nikhazy start which they did Doug Nikhazy 
psycho pitcher, like an underrated psycho pitcher, just gets into a different mentality on the mound. And I mean, he, he pitched well game two, but it was all Arizona game one, all Arizona game three. Ole Miss was never even close. And it shows me a lot about the Pac-12, dude. I, I think the Pac-12 was I kind of overlooked all year. I think going forward, you've got to respect your Pac-12 champion. You've got to respect your Big Ten champion. And you've got to respect your ACC champion. I don't yeah. give a shit about non-conference and conference games, whatever. We know every year these teams are good. Your regular season champions in those conferences. Can they screw up and slip up and have a bad postseason? Sure. But can we please just never do this again? Yeah, non-conference. I'm, I'm done talking about non-conference schedules. Like I, It's shown me that the Pac-12 has some damn good teams. Big Ten had some damn good teams. And ACC had some really damn good teams. Everybody, I mean, we were guilty of it, especially myself saying SEC is the best conference in America. Big 12 I mean, is right are. there with they them. Top to bottom, they're the, they're the deepest. Yeah. But when you look at the number one team in each conference, they're all right there. Yeah. But I think the number four, number five team, the SEC, is probably better than your four or five in some other conferences. They, yeah. They're just deeper. They're just deeper. Yeah. But, but at the top, I think it, it, everybody's right there. And, and like the regional structure with like the seedings and everything, I think the NCAA got a lot of them wrong. But oh, they, they did a terrible job seeding teams. They yeah. did a terrible job. But they did give us some really entertaining matchups that were probably more super regional matchups than regional matchups. But so, and, for the and NCAA, I know they did it. And I know they did it based off of like geography. Like they were sending teams closer just for like travel restraints. They did, they, they did make an entertaining product. But it was it was entertaining you for sure. Got to feed them correctly, and they they met they missed yeah. they missed big time. Nebraska should have had their own regional. Nebraska should have never had to face Arkansas. Notre Dame should have never been on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are just some things that like because when you say your best eight don't always make it to Omaha, this is the perfect example. Perfect example. But we do have eight teams now, and they're all deserving. Like they all earned to get like earned it to get there, and they, some of them battled harder than others. But we have eight teams. We have NC State, Vanderbilt, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, Arizona, Stanford, and Mississippi State. And we're almost Let me ask there. You this. Let me ask you this. Pick a conference. Who do you, which conference do you think wins the title? So and that brings up a good point. We have three from the SEC, two from the ACC, and that two last from game the Pac-12, and then one from the Big Ten. And then who's the team that I'm forgetting here? Wait, three, two, two, one. That's eight. Three? Three, two, two, five, plus two, seven, plus one, eight. Oh, and two. No, no. Three oh. SEC, two AC, two pack, <laughs> seven. And then you I'm an idiot. Ball. I'm an idiot. God, I'm an idiot. I, I was using my fingers to count right there, and my fingers weren't working. <laughs> You're one big 12. I'm saying, of course, I think, with the two favorites being Vanderbilt and Tennessee, and then you also have Mississippi State there, I think the logical answer here is the SEC. But these Pac-12 teams have shown me a lot, and we haven't seen too much of them. I'm going to say Pac-12. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say Pac-12. Both of those offenses – like they, those teams just hit for average. They're not just live or die by the long ball. I think they have enough pitching to get to a position, but we all know like in TD Ameritrade, like you have to score runs to win like these two to one games with the juice balls. I don't think that's going to play anymore. I'm going to say the PAC 12 wins it. If I had to make a pick, I like, I think I like Arizona's draw a lot, to be honest with you on that side of the bracket. You have Arizona. No, well, no, you know what? Arizona's on the wrong side of the bracket. I just looked. So Arizona, Arizona's got NC State, Vanderbilt, and Stanford. Stanford. So I'm going to say the Pac-12 because I think one of those two Pac-12 teams will get into the finals. Um, I don't know. I think Vanderbilt might slip up. I'm going to take I'm going to take a Pac-12 team. What about you? I I, I like your Pac-12 draw, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the history here. Arizona a style of play is not gonna play in TD Ameritrade with the juice balls that can change. But I'm gonna stick with history here. Arizona is not gonna play. If their strengths are taken away here, and I, I think I'm gonna go with an ACC team. 
I think NC State of Virginia is dogpiling at the end. Now, you know, only one ACC team has won the national championship in like the last 56 years, and it was Virginia in like 2015. I know, I know. And I think, I think NC State has, I mean, dude. Well, I, mean, I see I, what you're saying. Both I, of those I, teams I, have a little I, bit of magic I, on their side. I think the SEC had the best chance, pure numbers wise. Oh, no doubt. Like, that's what I want to say. Like, my pick, the logical pick by far is the SEC. Yeah, SEC is a lot. They have three teams there, and they're all your top, you know, they're three of the top five teams in the country. Right. So that's your logical pick. But I think if the SEC doesn't win, I would go the ACC. Yes. Um, And maybe Texas, though. Texas has looked good. I, I don't mind them, but I think that they, I just don't know if they're battle tested enough. I don't know if they're battle tested enough. Yeah. So let's do this. Last thing we'll do here on the show before we let, wrap things up. Let's rank these teams one to eight. So I have a list right here. I'm writing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So my brain's working now. Let's start with number eight. Who is the worst team that's made it to Omaha? The worst team? Yes. In terms of just like playing in terms of what we thought in February or in terms of today? Well, in terms of today, like if you. If all eight of these teams played a round robin, who's losing the most? Honestly, I think your weakest team, I think Texas or Virginia. I was going to say probably Virginia. So let's put Virginia there. Because I think that they're they're a three seed. I'm not not that impressed with Texas. Dude, I was going to put Texas at six. Because there's a team at seven that I think – probably deserves to be there right now who number seven who's number eight virginia virginia eight i have texas at six who's at seven i I want you to take a guess here you want me to take a guess yeah all right you have at seven i think you have error no You, you just said it. it was arizona it was Arizona, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, in terms of like a round robin playing each team, like let's say twice, I don't think Arizona has the pitching. And you kind of okay. hit on it. Like the hitting might not play at TD Ameritrade, even with the juice balls. Um, I have Virginia 8, Arizona 7, Texas 6. And then this is where it gets tough. 1 through 5. Let's go ahead and let's just I would put Mississippi. I would just put Mississippi State at 5. Yeah. State I think that's fair. I think Mississippi State at 5. They they obviously State played or Stanford at three, Tennessee at two, Vanderbilt at one, or Vanderbilt two, Tennessee one. Right. I, I would put Vanderbilt one right now as like the favorite. I think they would win the most games. I Tennessee like Mississippi State two. at five because I think if you take Mississippi State away from Duty Noble and put them in T D Ameritrade, which I mean they've been you very see, comfortable. They have with. they haven't been able to finish in Omaha. They haven't yeah. been able to win at all, even though they've been so close. Yeah. Um, but I like NC State at four. I think this NC State team has proven a lot of people wrong. They were on the cusp of being a one seed to be a regional um, like host at a different site. I like NC State a lot. They just beat the number one team in the nation. I have them at four. NC State and then, at four. Stanford and then three, two, three. one. I have Stanford at three just because of what they did. And they haven't lost a series all year. What they did against Texas Tech on the road. Um, dude, who's – that's a that's a damn good win there. And then I have Tennessee 2, Vanderbilt 1. Now, of course, people are going to be complaining about this. I mean, I mean, honestly, Ben, honestly, Ben, you can have Mississippi State at 4, NC State at 5, or you can have Stanford at 4. Right. Like, There's those no wrong three answer. Teams really close. And There's like no I said, we, we just agreed that Virginia is the 8th best team. They could easily win the whole thing. But just look at what Mississippi State did away from Duty Noble this year. Yeah, like they struggled. They struggled. Everybody knows that. But like I, I mean, you could also say like Texas is like a top two team. We don't know. I, I just am not sold on the Big Twelve. People are going to complain about this list. Whatever. We'll, we're going to see it all shake out here over hey, the next hey, two hey, weeks. Hey, if they want to complain, that's fine. They can make their own damn list. Yeah, they can make their own damn list. That's our that's our bread and butter saying right there, especially with like mid major polls and things like that. But um, basically. We're done for the episode here. I'm flying out to Omaha Thursday. Looking forward to meeting some really nice people. Um, so are we recording before you leave Thursday, the week preview or weekend? No, or? my flight's early in the morning, so we might have to do it like whenever I land because the hotel I have is like right next to the airport. So I have oh, all day so you'll, Thursday. So you'll be you'll be you'll be in your hotel room. We'll record Thursday night. Yeah, we'll do that, and then we'll do a preview Thursday show. evening. And uh, no, I mean I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Just getting to meet a lot of these people in 
in person. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And um, we'll see how it goes. But I'm excited. To, if you guys are going to be in Omaha, DM me or tweet at me, whatever. Love to meet up with some of the fans. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk some college baseball. I'm kind of brain shot right now. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Dimitri has to take a dump. So we're going to wrap up the show here. <laughs> Why would you say that in public? Because you're freaking out right now. <laughs> well, anyways, dude, always a pleasure. We'll be back uh, Thursday or Friday, somewhere sometime before the College World Series. College World Series starts Saturday, two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and then elimination from Monday. And we will have our picks. We will have our full preview, everything like that later in the week. Yes, we will. And, and um, let's see, mid-major player of the year is going to be announced in the next 48 hours. So, And the we Golden Spikes. We might announce that Thursday, too. Golden Fungo. Yeah, we'll announce all that. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Appreciate everybody for listening. Time to go.